Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. Hebrews 13 and 17, right there. That's a, and, and the, Hebrews 13 and 17. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for your word. We thank you so much for your word. I ask that you will bless it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 13 and 17, obey them that have the rule over you. Now, we went through some of this already. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The, ba- the fact that we do not understand some principles of holiness and godliness is evidence that we need a pastor to teach us. The understanding of holiness comes through obedience. If you will not submit and obey, you'll never understand because you've left faith and obedience out of the living for God. Holiness is taught to us by the Bible. The Bible does not try to give specific answers to the countless situations that we may face as an individual. But the Bible gives us principles by which to govern our lives. I know we've covered this before. This is very important. The Bible doesn't cover every minutia of, of situations. But it does give us principles. That, that we can apply to each thing. Dealing with the specifics of holiness is the purpose of the Holy Ghost and the ministry. The Holy Ghost will give you guidance in the practical application of Bible principles. The ministry as expounders of the word will help you to gain a depth of understanding in the word. And here's kind of where we ended last time. The pastor must make a practical and contemporary application of the scripture. It is a responsibility of the pastor to set standards for the church. Standards are many times misrepresented and misunderstood. They're, they're considered to be a legalistic concept. But what they really are is something that we stand for. It's something that is an is a identify, identifying mark of what we are. Do you, do you know what you call whenever the... Uh, when the military or the army runs into battle and the guy lifts up the flag, that is lifting up a standard that identifies who you are. And so standards aren't just something that we live by, but they also identify what we are. The Bible does give us basic guidelines concerning holiness that apply to men and women of all cultures, times, and situations. The Bible will never be outdated because it gives sound principles that will work in any time or place. You must fully understand a principle before you can know how to apply it. Many times it is the obedient practicing of teachings concerning a not yet comprehended standard 
that brings us to the revelation of the principle. Let me read that again. Many times it is the obedient practicing of teaching concerning a not yet comprehended standard that brings us to the revelation of the principle. The majority of your convictions are going to be a result of obeying preaching and teaching. Me and Brother uh, uh, C.J. were talking today and we were talking about sometimes we get so caught up in the weeds, if you will. People get caught. There, there's been many times in my life that I have that I've looked at situations and I've thought, I do not understand this. <clears throat> and then the Bible says the just shall live by his faith. So there's times I say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you here and let you help me through this situation. And as time has went on, God has helped me in understanding. I am a finite individual. I am a mortal individual. I'm not the smartest man on the block, the sharpest knife in the drawer, or the brightest light in the harbor. And sometimes I'm kind of dense, and sometimes I have to look at things and say, God, I don't quite get this right now, and I need you to help me. And God, through his presence and through teaching, helps me to understand and see a revelation of what these things are. And I begin to understand the importance of them. I begin to understand the importance of them. What a lot of people do is whenever they get a little confused about something, they just throw everything under the bus. They just throw it all away. That's a good, good recipe for chaos and disaster. You just hold on, you trust God, and you allow him to reveal and teach you what his word uh, <coughs> defines. Amen. The Bible defines for us what God likes and what he dislikes. The Bible tells us what practices and attitude that God will not accept, and those that he expect, expects of his people. Our goal <clears throat> is to please God, and the easiest way to do that is to be obedient to his word and to those that minister the word. Those who do not live a life of obedience to the spirit of God, to the word of God, the man of God, are not the sons of God. This is what the scripture says. Those who do not allow the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the man of God to correct them and teach them are not the sons of God. Hebrews 12 and 8, uh, 8 says, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all, where all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. That is a biblical concept. If we are unwilling to be chastised and be corrected by the Word of God and by the authority that God has placed us in our life, the Bible says we are illegitimate children. I'm going to tell you all something. Uh, it's not easy. It has not always been easy for me uh, as a man, as an individual, as a person, as a human, to submit myself to the teaching that has come my way. Uh, I, I can remember there were times that I, I chafed against what my dad taught. My dad was my pastor. That I struggled with what he taught. And, and I, I did not always agree with him, but he was my pastor. He was my father and he was my pastor. So we did what my pastor taught us to do, amen. And as, as I grew older and got more into the ministry and became more of a, uh, you know, we would have some discussions and sometimes he would win and sometimes I would win. But I always knew that dad was my pastor. I always knew that dad was the man that I was submitted to. He, he passed on and now I've mentioned this before, I have made myself accountable to other men of God, because I don't think that I am the only man on the block, and I'm certainly not a rock, and I'm not an island. 
Jesus is my rock, and I am part of the church of the living God. So I submit myself, and I am accountable. Even as a pastor, I am accountable to men. I've mentioned this many times. Brother Connor, Brother O'Brien, amen. And there's others that are in my life that I'm very, very accountable to. Brother Leonard Sansom and others. There are men that have passed on. Brother Gerald, Gerald uh, Buxton, who was, who was an elder in my life, and, uh, and others that, uh, Brother Mike East in many ways, who is, who is a, a, an elder in my life. And, and uh, we argue a lot, but I listen to what the man has to say because he's an elder, and, I, and I'm accountable there. We argue just because we like to argue. <laughs> I love Brother East. Amen. Uh, so understanding holiness from a personal perspective. Holiness is an individual problem. You are personally responsible for allowing God's nature to be formed in you. Philippians 2 and 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is so often misunderstood, misconstrued, and misinterpreted. This does not allow each person to make his own rules for being saved. I'm going to read that again. This does not allow each person to make his own rules for being saved. But it means that each must carry out or accomplish his own salvation with fear and respect. Salvation is ultimately the individual's own responsibility. Obedience is left up to you. And here's what a lot of people do with the scripture. They say, well, I just can do what I want to because the Bible says work out your own salvation. It also says with fear and trembling. That means you better be serious about what you're doing. It means it is your responsibility. If you split hell wide open, you can't blame Anybody else? So you better make sure you're figuring it out. Amen. Therefore to him, James 4, 17, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. Your failure to believe what, to obey what you have been taught makes you a sinner. It is a ministry's responsibility to teach and establish holiness. It is your personal responsibility to obey it and apply it to your life. After receiving the new birth experience, each person has to make sure that he endures to the end of the race. You won't make it to heaven if you do not. Let me read this. You will not make it to heaven. You will never make it to heaven if you do not develop a spirit of submission and obedience. Rebellion and disobedience is the spirit of Lucifer. The Bible says a rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as idolatry. That's what the scripture says. You cannot reach the goal if you do not follow the prescribed course. I've been, I've been, I was talking the other day about hiking. I, 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 I love to hike and I also like to get off of the trail and follow and do exploring. The trick about all of that is, and this is why I have this little app called Onyx Hunt. It's for hunters or hikers on, on my phone. I make sure my phone is, is charged up and all that. Because when I'm going back, I follow my trail very closely. Because if I've already blazed a trail, I want to know how to get back there. One time I was hiking. I didn't have as good of an app, but I was able to, I had a little app that worked out. or a, a, It worked. I was hiking an area where I had hiked through a boulder field. And it was a very difficult trail because you couldn't find the trail except for my, uh, trail markers of rocks that were all along there. And I hiked all through this massive boulder field. 
boulders half the size of this room many times, and you had to work your way through there. I got on the other side, and I, I was looking for a particular spring, and I, I kind of came. I couldn't find where the trail went from there, but then I looked off in the distance, and I saw a glimmer of something, of water, and I thought, well, maybe that's a spring. So I just began to hike toward that, that glimmer. Well, when I got there, it wasn't water. It was just ice on the rocks. And it was a cold day, and I noticed the sun was starting to go down, and I realized I was going to be in trouble if I didn't find that trail because there was no way I was going to make it through that boulder field. It was quite a ways back in the dark. But I had that app that helped me to find the trail. Uh, what we just read says this, you will not make the goal unless you follow the prescribed course. Amen. You've got to stay on track. And if you, have, if you don't have something to, to follow, you're going to be in trouble. This is the problem with so many people. People, people I've watched people walk away from the church because they don't, want, they don't want to be under any spiritual authority. They want to do it their own way. They want to, they want to have their own. They, they don't want anybody to tell them what they do uh, and what to do. And so they're going to do it on their own. I'm going to tell you what, that is a recipe for shipwreck. And the people that tell you this kind of stuff... The Bible speaks about them in Jude. Did you know that? The Bible speaks about those people that come to the church and they, and they begin to try to lead you astray. It calls them spots in your feast of charity. That's what it refers to. You know what that word spots is? It's spilos or spilos. spilos. And it said they are spots in your feast of charity, feasting with you. Spilos means a, a reef or rock that is underwater. And it is there to cause you to shipwreck. And those are what those people are. They're spilos. They cause shipwreck. And so they get you off course and they, and they break things up. You've got to stay on course. The Bible says, lead me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Hebrews, you must maintain the spiritual experience that God has given you. Hebrews 3 and 14, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. You must walk faithfully and consistently with God. It is the responsibility of the ministry to teach us the things of God, but it is up to us to obey them. I can't make you live right. You'll only live right if it's in your heart. Let me say that again. I cannot force you to do a single thing. You've got to make up your mind to do it. Sometimes it would be nice if I could get those little electric cattle goats. Says Sandra, I wouldn't want to do that. You wouldn't want that, and it would probably get me arrested. <laughs> and that, that's, that's silly, but I can't make you do right. I can't force you to do anything. Amen. You, you have to make up your mind to do that. Amen. Amen. And I have When a minister preaches or teaches with authoritativeness and firmness, he is simply fulfilling his obligation as a spiritual leader. The ministry is fulfilling the responsibility, the minister is fulfilling the responsibility of his calling and of his office when he preaches truth without fear or favor. Holiness can only be maintained by having a true love for God and a deep love for truth in our hearts. 1 John 2 and 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
We have to have a love for the truth. We can only live a holy life by loving God and not loving the world, which is under Satan's control. Only a real love for God will create a desire in us to avoid everything that is not like God and everything that is not a conducive to experiencing his presence in our life. When we love God, our Father and Savior, we want to obey his word and please him. God's spirit in us helps us to be obedient. We must simply yield to his spirit. No one, and this is important, no one can consistently live for God out of fear. You've got to live for God out of love. I mentioned this the other day, I think, in preaching. In Jude, the Bible says, and some save with compassion, snatching them out of the fire, and others with fear, hating the very garment spotted with, with uh, sin. And, and there's a terrible misunderstanding about that. The Bible does tell us the fear of God is beginning of knowledge, beginning of wisdom. We know that. We also understand in the uh, fifth chapter of Acts, I believe it is, fourth chapter of Acts, I believe it's the fifth chapter. I'll have to go back and look. Where, where Ananias and Sapphira were struck down because of their sin, that great fear came upon all the people. And, 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 and many were added to the church. So there is a place for fear in walking with the Lord. And many times it starts that way. The, the scripture there uh, and others with fear hate, is not talking about scaring people into the church. What it's talking about is caution. It means be careful. Some people are like dynamite. You have to be careful how you handle them. Amen. I, I have seen this happen. I mentioned the other day, I believe it was. I've seen this happen where people went in trying to win people to the Lord and ended up losing out to God because they didn't know what they were dealing with. And so, you, you, you know, I, I'm going to win them. This is, what, this, is what you always, this is what you hear from women. Here, let me tell you what. This is what you hear from women many times. They find some fella out in the world, and they're like, I've heard this, I'll win him, Pastor, to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I'll win, I'll win him to the Lord, Pastor. I'll go get him, I'll win him to the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win him to the Lord, and, and, and he'll change. Not likely. <laughs> and so what happens is they end up going out into the church. You came to the Lord before you guys got married. Yes, I know. And, and, but the thing is, is that that's what it means. Others with fear, caution. We're going to deal with this situation. We're going to try to win them. We're also going to understand that this is, you know, the fuse is lit. And if it gets too close, I need to toss it away. Amen. And so, 1 John 5 and 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. John 14 and 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Some questions we need to answer for ourselves. Do you love God enough to obey him? Do I love God enough to serve him? Uh, number, number eight, some basic principles of holiness. Romans 2 and 12, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what that is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. First Thessalonians 5.22, abstain 
from all appearance of evil. 1 Corinthians 9 and 25, and every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we and uh, an incorruptible. The Bible teaches us the essential elements of true holiness. These three scriptures describe the essence of practical holiness. The underlying purpose of any specific standard of holiness <clears throat> is to help us abide by these basic principles. The full and proper application of these principles to our lives would bring a significant change to our lifestyle. We must not act or look like the sinful and ungodly world around us. First Thessalonians 5 and 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. We must avoid even those things which have a suggestion of or resemblance of evil. Our objective is not only to not to look like the world, but to exemplify or look like God. The question should not be how closely can we resemble the world and still get, get by. It should be our desire to get as close to God as we can. And the closer we get to God, the further we will be from the world. We should ask ourselves the following question. What can we do to be as close to God as possible? How can we live so there will be no doubt to the world that we are identified with Jesus Christ? What areas of my Christian life and consecration do I need to improve? We must learn to be temperate in all things. 1 Corinthians 9 and 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we and incorruptible. Incorruptible. We should always exercise self-control and restraint. Our flesh must always be in subjection to the spirit. I'm going to tell you all something right now. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you. What, what does that say, y'all are me? I, I mean to tell you. I mean to tell you right now. My son-in-laws make fun of me because I say that. I mean to tell you. I mean to tell you. I mean to tell you. Moderation involves a lot of things. Moderation involves more than don't drink or don't do all that. It means the way we act. It means our temper. It means our mouth. It means a lot of things that we should learn to control. You learn to control some things, it'll be, you'd be surprised how much easier life is if you live in moderation. Temperance also means that everything should be done in moderation and not to extreme or excess. If heaven is our goal, we know that we should abstain from and avoid anything that would hinder us from reaching that goal. I think I jumped a little ways, didn't I? I didn't? Okay. 2 Peter 3 and 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? The principles of nonconformity to the world and temperance in all things are the keys to understanding every area of holiness. You must understand that the objective is to get closer to God, and in order to do that, to do that you must be separate from the world. We're not simply trying to be different, but we are trying to be godly and holy. Holiness makes sense and is practical when we view it from the proper perspective. We're trying to be like Jesus. Our goal is to please him. 
2 Timothy 2 and 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him. Who, who is him? It's Jesus. It's God. Who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We must keep ourselves separated from the world so that we can draw closer to God. The things that are in this world hinder us from having a close relationship with God is only by abstaining from these things that we can develop a deep relationship with God. I want you to understand something. There are a lot of things in the world, and there's a lot of things. There, there's, there's like a spectrum, okay? There, there are things that we do, your job, your work, um, things that we involve ourselves in that are, are kind of a neutral thing. There are those things. We come to church, we sing songs, we worship the Lord, we do all of that sort of th stuff. It's godly. There's the other end of the spectrum are evil things. In the middle of all of this is life. Life involves a lot of things. It is our job. It is school. It is, it is friends. It is a lot of the things that we do. It is just part of life. I'll give you some examples. There are some musics. There are some books. There are some things that we look at and read and involve in that are neutral. There's nothing wrong with singing, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. I'm just throwing that in for an example. Nobody here knows that song. Do you know? Okay, well, two people know that song. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a lot of things. There's, there's nothing wrong with reading a good Louis L'Amour book. Does anybody know what Louis L'Amour is? Okay. Yeah. There's not, or, or reading a good fiction book. Or, or what, what is the one that girls like? Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> or whatever. It, nothing, but, but those are things that are just part of life. There's, there's nothing wrong with uh, going to the park, doing a lot of things, playing a game of football, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not careful, you can keep moving into the wrong direction until things become not liberty but becomes license. There's a difference between liberty and license. People say, well, I have liberty, but then they take it as license to do that which is not right. So you apply the, the principles. You apply the principles of holiness. You apply the principles, the biblical principles to those things. Does this glorify God? Does it, is, is it something that is, that is innocent? Is it something that is, uh, you know, like certain entertainment stuff? Is it something that's going to be harmful to me in a spiritual way? You just have to apply it to that sort of thing. Would I do this if Jesus was sitting next to me? Amen. Would I do this? <laughs> Joel says, what? <laughs> you want to get more specific? Uh, yeah, and so on. So you apply those principles, and then you go from there. Now, we're, we're going to continue on after the first of the year with there are four more lessons in the uh, holiness and uh, I'm going to try to get through them reasonably quick. We're going to be moving on some other stuff. Well, I think, and that's a good, that's a good question. Um, you could, you can, if we act, if we act, it, we should not look and act like the sinful world. Act or look like the sinful world. And there are a lot of, there's a, but see, that's that kind of neutral area. There's a lot of things in the world that are like, uh, 
you know, there's clothes that people wear that are fine. There's a lot of that stuff. But then whenever that goes down the other end of the spectrum where, you know, women are dressing and they look like they're streetwalkers or men are dressing because they want to uh, exhibit the way that, you know, their, their, their physique. I don't do that on purpose, folks. It's just... <laughs> It's just, it's just I haven't bought any bigger clothes. No. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of things. There are a lot of things. This is a good example. There's a lot of things that we do that, are, that everybody else does, and there's nothing wrong with it. Moderation is a thing in there. You know, we, we do a lot of things, that, and we enjoy certain things. We get involved with certain things, um, and and. You know, I, like whenever I was younger, people said, don't go golfing. I was like, why not? And I never could figure out. Well, some people, hey, here's something funny about that. Let me, let me give you an example. Some people would go to the, to the golf course, and then they go to the club, and they get drunk. And so they thought, well, I, I don't know what they thought. I, I never had any interest in going to the club and getting drunk. Um, but I had a guy one. This is funny. I had a guy come to me, and I used to go golfing about every week. I loved golf. I enjoyed it. I don't golf anymore. It's too expensive. It's just gotten so stinking expensive, and and I go out once or twice a year, or I haven't went back, I haven't went in four or five years, and when I go out there to hit the ball, I stink at the game, and it's just frustrating now. I used to be able to play pretty good. Not not good. I was able to hit the ball kind of in the general direction of the green. But um, a guy came up to me one time. And he handed me a card. He said, you still golf? I said, yeah. And he handed me a card with like 20-some-odd free golf. It was a punch card. At Safford, at the, at the deal here, they used to have punch cards where you would buy a punch card full of 50 games or 50 rounds of golf, and then you would have a punch. So, so what happened was they, he, he gave me about 25 games. And I said, well, don't you golf anymore? He said, no, I don't golf anymore. I said, why don't you golf anymore? He said, because it got me in trouble. I said, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. Well, then I found out how it got him in trouble. He would go golf, and there was a woman he would meet at the golf course. And he almost lost his marriage because of that. And he told me, he said, I had to stop golfing, so I wouldn't do that anymore. Now, for me, it wasn't a problem. The only thing I ever did at the club was they had some good hamburgers there. And they had a restaurant, you know, so I get, get the hamburgers there. But, but this guy, he, he I, I'm not going to call it a conviction. I'm going to call it a survival tactic for him because he knew if he went back, he was going to lose his marriage. And, and he was married until he died. He fixed things with his wife, and they, were, they, they 
you know, he decided he was going to make it work, and it did. But he was a he was a ringer for a while there. I want you to know, I knew the guy. But for me, I wasn't chasing women of the golf course. I was chasing this stupid little white ball that always went into the rough. That's the only thing I ever chased in the golf course. And and so, and, and it's like um, a lot of people wouldn't fold. And, and uh, they what? Yeah, I know. But they wouldn't go bowling. And I went, I went bowling a few times when I was younger, and I thought, I'm not sure exactly what's wrong. Well, one of the problems was, was at one time there was a lot of alcohol involved with people who went bowling. They would all, they would all drink and all that kind of stuff. So it was just one of those places you stayed away from. Now that church down the road bought the place, and they don't serve alcohol anymore. So, huh? But, but no, I don't, I don't believe it. So that's, kind of, that's cool. And, and so, but the thing is, is if it was a problem for you, that's where certain convictions come in that are connected to the principles that the Bible speaks of. A lot of them are personal conviction, but then there are convictions that are preached from the pulpit. Look, you should not go there because of the situation. I'll give you an example. Um, when, when, when Golden Corral became JD's, it was, it was, um, it was put as a bar and grill though it was a restaurant so so you thought think of chilies you think of applebees you think of that sort of thing and they had good food so we would go and they had a they had a section remember that they had a section that they had a wall there so you go back there and there, it was a restaurant area and they had really decent food we didn't go a lot but one day i took a fella there one night i went there on, we were working here at the church. We went there. I said, hey, let's go eat over there. We went over there to eat. It was a Friday night, and it was a bar. And we never went back. Before that, it had, but we never went back. I wouldn't go there for anything now. Because, what's that? You had a good time. It wasn't you. Did you go? We didn't go, did we? But it was. Yeah, it was, it was a bar. We sat there and we went ahead and ate because we ordered our food and we like, and the guy who was with me, he was a preacher, he said, we ain't ever going back here. I said, oh, we ain't ever going back here. What's that? <laughs> but but the, the, the thing is, is that those are things. And, and so I would say, you know, preaching, this is something I preach. I would say, don't go to JD's. It's a bar. I, there's no reason to go there. I know it's hard to find a restaurant on Sunday here in town, but JD's is not a good, the atmosphere is horrible. Don't go to JD's. Um, there may be, you go to Copper Steer and there's a bar upstairs. That's a different situation. They also have a really good lunch menu on Sunday. They do. $13, it's good. Anyway. But you see what I'm saying? So there are some things that are strictly personal conviction, and there are some things that, that may be preached over the pulpit, and they're very important. And then there are things, let me explain something. There are certain things that we feel on a personal level um, that, that we may not feel like being involved in. There may not be nothing wrong with them, but personally we feel like God doesn't want us to be involved in that. And that is a personal thing that we deal with. And there, and God hasn't, God hasn't, Put that on the pastor to preach, and everybody else doesn't feel that way about it, and it, it is what I'd call a 
personal conviction. And so what you do in that situation is you give Christian liberty to your brother and sister. Amen. There's a very there's some very good uh, deals on that with Brother Bernard. He talks about some of that. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Amen. If it's wrong, it's wrong. There's some places you don't want to go. You don't want to be around. You don't go to the bars. And we sometimes have to deal with a little bit of that kind of situation now. Because nowadays, every restaurant seems to have a bar. McDonald's doesn't. Jerry's doesn't. You're right, Jerry's doesn't. Jerry's a pretty good restaurant, too. Amen. But if you go to, what's that? Yeah, um, and, and a lot of the others, I guess there's a lot of the Mexican restaurants that don't have bars and stuff, too. So, Mexicans and stuff. What's that? Denny's does it, but Denny's service is terrible. Okay, anyway, <laughs> let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word, dear God.